That music was JR Japan. It's a Shinkansen song. That means it's a travelling song. And it introduces our Melbourne reporter, Veronica Matheson, who recently spent almost a month in Japan, where she decided it would be fun to travel round by bullet train. But first she had to find her way around Tokyo Station to buy the necessary rail tickets. As she tells Graham Kemlo, it was a great experience seeing the major cities and Mount Fuji from the comfort of the 300 km per hour super trains. Well, it's great to have uh, Veronica Matheson back on the line. Listeners to this show will recognise Veronica by name and by voice. She's been travelling a lot, so we haven't heard from her for a while. But uh, Veronica, you've been to Japan. Great to have you back on the line. Tell us about the land of the rising sun. You obviously love it up there. So I've been to Japan a few times and I really love it there. There's always something new to discover. Indeed, it's, and it is. You've got to be prepared to accept quite a different culture when you go to, to uh, that part of Asia, don't you? Oh, you certainly do. But I was so lucky. I wasn't expecting to see cherry blossom because it wasn't cherry blossom time usually until the first or second week in April. But because of the season changes, it came early. So I was able to walk in a carpet of cherry blossom and enjoy all the um, Japanese who um, really love the start of cherry blossom because it, it they look on it as being a new beginning to the year. And um, as I say, there was still snow. We went to the north of um, Honshu, the, the main island, and um, there there was snow still several metres deep. Here we were in the middle of Tokyo and the sun was shining and the apple blossom was out and people were picnicking. Well, it was just glorious. in one go. Yeah, that's right. And also we went to Mount Fuji for a day on a trip on a, a bullet train and when we were there we actually saw the snow-covered top of Mount Fuji which in fact you rarely see so it was considered very very lucky too and the next day it was raining and it was the cloud was covering Mount Fuji as you say it all turned out really really well right. but Graham what surprised me was that before COVID started it was all the older people the golden oldies who were traveling in Japan, when I was there, I mean, even on the flights, it seemed as if the golden oldies had stayed at home and it was the younger people who were travelling. Do you think the um, Olympics might have had something to do with that? I really, really don't know. It just sort of was a mystery to me because I expected to see a lot of um, older people, but no. Maybe they're enjoying their own countries instead of travelling at the moment and maybe a little bit scared of COVID, but... In Japan, everybody wears masks, even though they don't have to. Oh, okay. So when you say uh, the the type of people who were travelling, were they, you're talking about Japanese people or, or international visitors? There wasn't so many international travellers. It was more that it seemed to be that well, um, Japanese were travelling everywhere too. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Now, I love, I love travel by a fast train, so that must have been for the, uh, in the fast train to Mount Fuji. Yeah, well, as I say, it's about 100 kilometres away, but it probably took about sort of half an hour to get there. Wow. But it was it was well worth the trip. It I really, think. really was. We did one between Melbourne and Sydney. Wouldn't it be great? Well, I mean, it I, just is the best way to travel. I keep talking about it on this radio show, but Elbow's not listening. I think the problem is the cost. I believe it's like serious billions to, to build 
a, um, a track, but you've also got to acquire the land. Or so I think it'll be a while before we get yeah. get it. But in the meantime, it's working very well in Japan. Yeah. So where did you go? You you made a deliberate decision to use that train, did you? Well, we, I, I deliberately wanted to travel everywhere by bullet train. Yeah. I mean, they call it Shinkansen there, which means new rail or new transport or something, but obviously it's been going for quite a few years anyway. Sure. But you can buy tickets um, before you leave the country you live in, and it's cheaper. But when we got there, we decided, yeah, bullet train was the way to go. Buying a ticket is quite complicated. Well, it's when I say it's quite complicated, it's simply that if you're in Tokyo, you have to go to Tokyo Station. Tokyo Station is huge. Like when I say huge, it is like a little city in itself. Oh. There is, every, you can go shopping there. You can um, go to restaurants there. You can buy shoes. You can buy anything. And there is a department store there in the actual station. Oh, and oh, that. The food there is just amazing. The cakes, the decoration, it is a day trip in itself. But um, as I say, buying a a bullet train ticket, you have to queue up. And you can queue up for, I mean, I think I was queuing for probably about three quarters of an hour. But Japanese are used to to queuing. It's sort of almost a way of life and they're very patient. And they're just such respectful people. They're just lovely. They don't raise their voices. They're not, you know, loud like we sometimes are. You realise that you really need to buy a reserve ticket because otherwise you might be standing for two hours in the train because they're always so crowded. So you buy your ticket and it tells you, you know, what carriage you get on, where you stop on the station for that particular carriage. And invariably, the train stops at that particular spot. You get on, you're in your carriage, and you go to your seat. It's so well organised. Very efficient, yeah. Oh, it's so efficient. Food on the train's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Well, you, they do have food trolleys that go around, but most people buy a bento box, which is mm. a lot of, lots of little fresh, tasty snacks, and you buy that in the station before you get on, and then you can just sort of eat it when you want to. Mm. No, I did that in Korea. They called it something else, but it was a bento box, and it was going from uh, from Seoul to Busan. So that's that's a long hike in Korea, and it's quite mountain. Yeah. It was very interesting, actually. I enjoyed it. Like on the trains, there's no time for dawdling because getting on, they keep a touch, very strict timetable. They're like Swiss. They keep the time. So, as you say, you just virtually have to get rush onto the train. You don't sort of have time to meander. And as you say, once you get on, you're, um, you, you, you get on to get to your seat and you try not to travel with too much luggage. It's right. best to travel light because, um, say, there's not a great place. I mean, there are racks that you can put your luggage up onto. But if you've got a, a big case, well, you have to kind of virtually hold it beside you. And that's a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, understand. Understand. So which cities did you go to, uh, Veronica? Uh, well, I went to Osaka. I went to Kyoto, I went to Hiroshima, and then I went up north to um, a national park area where they do have skiing. Right. So they were the main places I went to and obviously did like, you know, little sort of explores around from from each of them. Stayed in, in each of those um, cities for um, several days. Sometimes we stayed in very comfortable 
uh, accommodation, like luxury accommodation. And then other times we stayed in hotels that were near the station, so they were really quite different. There was complete contrast. The ones that were luxury were luxury, really, really comfortable. Then the first time there was the shock of moving from a luxury hotel to a smaller hotel or a budget hotel, as you'd call it, and um, there the actual room would have been about the same size as the bathroom in the luxury hotel. Well, yeah, capsule hotel. Yeah, like the quite well, they were pretty pretty small, right. but they were comfortable. All you needed was a bit. You, you weren't going to be doing anything there apart from sleeping. Yeah, uh, they had all the facilities. You had your internet connection. You had um, bathroom, small bathroom, but it you know had a shower and it had everything you needed. Save money that way, and then when you went to a luxury hotel, you made the most of it and you you appreciated the space. Mm. So what were, the, what were the most enjoyable experiences for you uh, during your trip, uh, Veronica? Um, the most enjoyable, probably the variety of food. I mean, it's not just sushi. It's not just uh, tepanyaki. It's, um, there, there was an extraordinary amount of different foods. Right. And you can also eat Western foods too if you want to. And unfortunately, the Japanese are really taking – there's a lot of fast food establishments that are there that you know are very very popular with the Japanese so these beautiful slim people I hope that it doesn't get to be so they don't start changing their diet oh okay when you when you say fast food you mean like fried food yeah you know, obviously the lucky and the oh, really? McDonald's and all of those that is a worry actually I... yeah because, I mean, these people, the Japanese are just, the women are just so elegant. Watch the way they walk in such an elegant way. They have got style. Um, we did actually meet in, in Kyoto. We um, met a Mako who's an apprentice geisha. Oh. And she told me about how great an honour it was to be in that profession and that she dreamed of becoming one since she was a child when she saw this beautiful white-faced geisha wearing traditional kimono and walking so elegantly along the river. She showed me how she applied her white makeup and how she dressed her bouffant hair with seasonal flowers and everything. I know we all of geishas being a little bit naughty, but I, I think that now it's entirely different. It's now sort of a profession where they entertain with singing and playing instruments and conversation. They're, they're um, very stylized. And they make a cup of tea, etc. The tea ceremony is important. Yeah, that's right, the tea ceremonies and everything. So all of that sort of experience that we just don't have here is very, very special. How long were so, you all together? Just under a month. And it, it just didn't seem like, you know, it was that amount of time and we never ran out of things to do. One of the most jarring things we did on the trip was the visit to Hiroshima and the Peace Museum and looking at, you know, what that A-bomb when it fell in 1945, which the Americans dropped, there were 100,000 people lost their lives and there were pictures of those whole, for two kilometres, of it was completely decimated mm. and how all these people survived in such sort of, you know, a hard time. I talked to a 93-year-old survivor, and he healed to the world, and particularly to the Russian President Putin, to stop wars forever. Tears in his eyes as he said, I can't believe that it's happening again. 
Veronica Matheson reporting on a recent trip to Japan. This is the Travel Rider Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.